I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode of the Cult Pop Show podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch, get up to two extra exclusive podcasts a month, give us something to talk about in the post-credits scene at the end of each episode, or join us for our monthly movie club Zoom call where we discuss a film together, then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com slash cultpopshow. Richard, did you know that uh, you can spell till as in the shortened version of until? Uh, just as T-I-L-L. Uh, I didn't know that till I watched <laughs> these movies. I watched a movie earlier this year, called, a 2021 movie called Till Death that was spelt that way, and I thought it was some kind of pun. I thought like the movie was going to be about a till. Like a supermarket worker or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, why'd they spell it that way? I thought it was apostrophe T-I-L. But no, from dusk till dawn is also that way. It's just mm. a word. It's just a way to spell it now, because... English has gone to the dogs. <laughs> we used to stand for things like back in uh, 1996, which is the earliest recorded version of this of till being used <laughs> that I could find. Um, uh, happy Spooktober, everybody, and welcome along to the Cold Popture Podcast. This is Film Franchise Fortnights on the Cold Popture Podcast. Film Franchise Spook Nights. Oh, God, every night's a spook night when you're afraid of the dark. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this, is a, this is a podcast where we cover a film franchise every fortnight. My name's AJ, and joining me as usual is Richard. Spooky Richard. Sometimes I'm joining him. I'm not saying that I'm in any way more uh, the leader. More it's here. Just, yeah. <laughs> it's just, this is, this is the episode that I'm running. And when I run the episode, you're joining me. How does that sound? I sent you the Zoom link, you know. You, what you Stop said. Stop defending yourself. <laughs> Both ones you said. I'm joining you. Right. Yeah. This is getting confusing. <laughs> yeah, I'm in charge. <laughs> <laughs> um, this fortnight, everybody, we are covering the spookiest franchise that we've ever covered, maybe? That's <laughs> by what measure? Any measure. <laughs> what a, it's a subjective question. We're covering the From Dusk Till Dawn trilogy, uh, which you may know as being one film that also has sequels you didn't know about. So it's a, a mm. it c- consists of one theatrically released Robert Rodriguez classic From Dusk Till Dawn, and it's two straight to DVD prequels. Uh, okay. Are you surprised by that information? Uh, well, the, the 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 second one's a prequel. Yeah, are you surprised by that? Um, no. Well, you may be surprised by it, Richard, but it may <laughs> it may not be all that it seems. Um, the main trademark for the series, uh, and spoilers if you haven't seen these films before, they're not 
necessarily great movies, but if you don't know anything about From Dust Till Dawn, there's a pretty cool thing that if you haven't yeah. seen them, maybe you should watch the first one. Um, so spoilers, the main thing about these films uh, is that they're all secretly vampire movies, which masquerade as a different genre for the first quarter to half of their respective mm run times i mean people probably only knew that about the first film i don't know if people knew that that's a trademark of the yeah, rest of yeah. the series uh but hey the, i believe it seems weird is... to keep it a secret after yeah when you make it <laughs> you're right from dust or dawn too like i remember when i saw um spoilers for the cloverfield movies when i saw cloverfield ten cloverfield lane with someone mm. and i was like what'd you think of because i'd seen it already and i took took them to go see it i was like what'd you think of the ending pretty crazy and she was like well it's a cloverfield film Right. So obviously it's going to have a big monster at the end. Mm, that's a good point. And that's I was like, point. well, okay. <laughs> this is the same person I took to the nice guys and like 15 minutes before the end, she goes, do you want to leave? <laughs> well, it's an- astonishing. She got two dates out of her. Uh, yeah, if you asked her, they weren't dates. <laughs> <laughs> I know that pain well. Uh, I believe this is our, also our fourth franchise to center around vampires after Twilight, Blade, and Fright Night. Although I'm sure vampires have popped up in a few th- other things we've watched before, and I'm just not remembering what those things are. But also, there are plenty more vampire franchises that we could get to maybe one day. Mm. Yeah. So, let's talk about it. Let's get into the spooky season. The sweltering hot <laughs> spooky season as it is in New Zealand. Because I, I I, mean, I do live in an attic, so maybe that's got yeah, something it's, to do with it. Yeah, it's been pretty pretty mild the last few days. Oh, it's been so hot here. Um, the first film. Disagree. The f- we live in different cities. Ding, ding, ding. Ding, Take ding, a, ding, fin- ding. Finish take, your drink. Fi- yeah, okay. <laughs> 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 from dusk till dawn 1996 this is directed as i said by robert rodriguez which actually makes this the 10th robert rodriguez film we've watched for the podcast and uh, making him the second most watched director we've ever watched really? in the podcast yeah he comes in after what robert the vince heck? yep what comes the actual Ro- <laughs> <laughs> after after robert vince who has 16 films and he's just above uh william lau of barbie fame and charles gross Grosvenor of land of Gra- land before time i fame. would have thought yeah interesting i would have thought he'd be above Gr- Grosvenor, but wow he is is this Oh, I would have thought he'd be below Grosvenor, sorry. <laughs> so, so, so Grosvenor and Lau have nine films each. Um, so Robert Rodriguez has ten. So like he's officially above those two with the addition of From Dusk Till Dawn. Um, and this does make Rodriguez our most covered director who has at least been at the helm of three distinct franchises because those other three people mm. have all done the same series. Robert Vince, of course, doing the earbuds. Uh, and mm. whereas um, Robert Rodriguez has done this has done uh, Spy Kids slash Machete, which I feel I have to count as one if, we're, if I'm saying Robert Vince counts as one. Um, yeah. And Al Mariachi, of course. Um, do you know who our most watched actors are? Yes, I do. And that's coming up as well. Oh, <laughs> well, you can tell us number one if you want. I don't have that written down. Uh, it's Kelly Sheridan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's like our top five are all... Um, people we haven't seen with just they're just all voice actors mm, yeah, um exactly. usually primarily barbie and uh, land before time the most um the most a- uh seen actor is Des- desmond llewellyn mm, from james bond 17 films so do you know what from dusk till dawn has on rotten tomatoes uh i'm gonna guess like 
barely fresh. Barely fresh. 62% on Rotten Tomatoes. And can you tell me what it's about for those who haven't seen it or need a reminder? From Dusk to Dawn is about uh, these two... Are they actually... Yeah, they are brothers. Yeah, the Gecko brothers. Yeah, so like uh, sort of criminals, um, generally just criminals, um, who take a family as hostage um, and they're in this big RV and it's Harvey Keitel plays the patriarch of the family. Uh, the brothers are played by George Clooney and Quentin Tarantino. Um, bizarrely, for both, like, it's bizarre that both of them are in it. <laughs> but they, um, yeah, they're going to cross to this bar in Mexico where they're meeting their um, mm. their contact kind of thing because uh, they they wanted, you know. So they they hide out in this bar called the Titty Twister, uh, which um, is open from dusk till dawn, and it's um, yeah, it's actually run by vampires. We find out halfway through the movie, mm. um, and you know, like mentioned, is quite a famous twist. But then. Um, yeah, the uh the the father of the family is killed and um so is Quentin Tarantino, so George Clooney has to kind of like lead the two, ends up having to lead the two kids to safety and um get out of this vampire den. The adopted brother dies and it ends up with only being George Clooney's character and the elder sister surviving. Yeah. Which like I, I say, and we'll get it now. We'll, I guess we'll now get into what we kind of thought of the film. Is that so? Like the 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 idea of like a criminal that's held your family hostage, and then you're like his, the only person he loves dies, your dad dies, and now he's forced to like take care of these two kids. He's forced mm. to take care of you. Is like such a good idea and such a like great rich dynamic, but it's mm. like not really. They don't do no, enough it, with it. The movie ends and they go their separate ways. Um, I wrote that down as well. Like, like the, the the movie should be about yeah. a, a criminal forced to look after these two kids yeah. and, and, and a vampire den. Like, that's such a cool idea. Yeah. And it's like, it, it got halfway through that kind of part of the film. And I was like, oh, this is the plot, isn't it? And then I was like, and then it's it's over so quickly after that. Like, Harvey Keitel's with them for quite a bit of their, like... um. Yeah. the remainder of you know, the, the the fighting the vampires um and so yeah that, that was disappointing that I, I was like that that's a great idea for a film and it's not and it's just it's 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 a it's a cherry on top it's not the whole sunday yeah right and it's also i i, I agree and i wrote i wrote down here that i thought the ending was probably too depressing that like all the best characters die and then the the daughter is just told well see you later Mm. (laughs) i'm responsible i'm literally responsible for your entire family being killed see you later you Mm. know because he held them hostage um so it is worth mentioning before we get any further that this was written by quentin tarantino this is one of those things where it's like often mistaken as being directed by him and it stars him and so he feels you know but that that's the connection is that he actually wrote it yeah and uh this is a movie i hadn't seen you hadn't seen it either had not seen it hand to god had not seen it (laughs) it was always one that felt like i missed when i was a teenager which would have been probably the better time to to watch this film um a bit of a content warning going forward there's some pretty grim um character traits that quentin tarantino gave himself that we should probably discuss go to a certain corner which uh, we can now lead ourselves into okay okay so (laughs) we we made a we have a little treat for for a a recurring segment on the show called Problematic Corner. However, it's a theme song. We've got a theme song for it. However, I'm not ready to call 
what we're going to talk about problematic corner because the movie itself doesn't present it as a good thing. That's where, right. like, having, having okay. dark Okay, so themes. we've got a theme song, but you're not going to hear it. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to hear it. I don't think, I, I think we need to use problematic corner. Okay, yeah, when... sweet. Suggest problematic franchises <laughs> and, um, and on Patreon because we've do got, you, a, we've got a I mean? killer theme song for it. But do you're you know not going to hear mean, it. Though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's like, it's, it's not it's a movie. It's glorifying so, it as what's problematic. Yeah, yeah exactly. So Quentin Tarantino, um, for some reason, um, made made his character a, a, a rapist in this movie. Um, and and I what I thought was interesting about this is that I knew going into this film that the twist was it was about vampires. So mm. instead, the real shock for me was actually discovering that Quentin Tarantino's character is decidedly not a somewhat likable outlaw mm. that the film's poster would have you believe, but like mm. a disgusting, despicable sex offender who rapes people in the movie and who really only exists more as a looming antagonistic threat for the good characters uh, until he's killed by Salma Hayek as the first sort of sacrificial lamb of the vampire twist, mm. which is a great thing to do with that character. But it is, if anything's problematic, it's that the movie poster and marketing is like the this buddy movie of George Clooney and Quentin Tarantino. And it's like, they're both pretty unlikable for pretty much the whole movie. Well, George Clooney's George Clooney. So it's like, how much can you really hate him? But th- See, then like, and then like that's but, the thing. Yeah, because he, he could be like, you know, you're lovable. I don't kill people, you know, but because that, that is kind of the thing is that like he leaves Quentin alone with like the maid um, or whoever mm. she is. And um, and he comes back and she's been raped and murdered. And he's like, what the fuck did you do this for? Mm. It's, it's like he's horrified and outraged and he's also a criminal. And so it's yeah. that like he has some kind of boundary, but Quentin doesn't. And I, I agree. It's, it's a real it's almost a not exa- exactly saving the cat, but being mad that the cat was killed moment where he tells off Tarantino for doing this. But like the fact he doesn't like kill him or disown him right there. Well, they're brothers. Made me, no, I know, but it made me not like the character going forward into the movie. Mm. And I think I was worried. I think when it began, I was worried this was going to be one of those weird mid nineties Tarantino decisions where he like, he still does to this day where he takes the, like this main character and gives them like an <laughs> unforgivable trait. <laughs> like, yeah. like I was like with um Brad Pitt and once upon a time in Hollywood, how he like probably murdered his wife. And if you read the, um the novelization definitely murdered his wife. Right. And yeah. it's, it's like, it's one of those things where I, I was like is quentin tarantino trying to like give a rapist a redemption arc because i am not interested in that yeah no, in his mind he's like the cool character of the film yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and like to his credit it's not that i think it's mm. maybe a little weird that he cast himself as this horrible person but yeah it's not it's it, the the film the only way the film lies to you is as i said is the marketing making it look like it's some kind of buddy movie between yeah. Clooney and Tarantino the, what are your thoughts on Tarantino's character and, and all the characters do you, do you have any I thought Tarantino's character was great yeah yeah really liked him really um yeah no like like George Clooney I mean he's good at it he's good at it he's good at yeah he actually oh, is it's probably his best, best acting performance yeah <laughs> it, it is it is really interesting like the film is it's this really interesting insight into like the kind of movies Tarantino likes. Yeah, because you know, like Tarantino makes good films. Um, mm. I'm sorry, but he does. <laughs> <laughs> and well, I mean, Inglorious Bastards is, is a fantastic movie, I think, and like, and he, it shows like he understands the craft of 
of filmmaking but it, it's super interesting it's like he's probably because you, you, you listen to him talk and he loves these like pulpy kind of grindhouse films and whatnot and it's like he probably has hundreds of scripts like this just floating around that, that he because like there's a, there's a great interview between him and robert rodriguez that i've spoken about recently but um yeah, it was on the al mariachi episode yeah but it's like he talks robert rodriguez talks about how tarantino has just a bunch of scripts lying around that people would kill for and it's like this is fully, the only one that got out. I, I fully, yeah, I fully understand <laughs> that. Like Tarantino probably has a hundred scripts like this, and I fully get that. Like Robert Rodriguez is probably the dude who could or should make them. That it's mm. like he. I mean, he's Tarantino if Tarantino wasn't prestigious. Like mm, if sure. if Tarantino rolled around in the mud with Robert Rodriguez, and it's like you yeah. get this film. Yeah, no, that's a good way to put it. Um. I thought that uh, I much preferred Harvey Keitel's character to yeah. Clooney, and I, I yeah, actually, I actually preferred the the good guy to the bad guy. <laughs> well, in the sense that like the movie ends with these two survivors, and I think you're supposed to be given closure from like the two cool characters surviving, and it's like. I think I would have preferred the family survived, to be honest, because mm. they've got the, this great character dynamic where Harvey Keitel's wife has died, um, you know, within the last year, and he used to be like a reverend, and now he's lost his faith, and there's all this like religious imagery going on with vampires and all that thing, mm. and and to, to when, when he got bit, I was like. Ah. That's that's your that's the best character. Like that's mm. the character I've invested in. I don't. I want Clooney to die. Clooney should be the one that that dies. In the I film, think. yeah, in the film, Seth Gecko, his name is Seth and Richard Gecko, uh, Clooney and Tarantino, respectively. But yeah, I think the the twist where uh, where the vampires are revealed is pretty interesting. It's um, Salma Hayek, who's a um, a exotic dancer at the titty twister mm. comes out and um does like a dance in front of tarantino where she puts her foot in his mouth and he drinks like uh whiskey off it and it's like i you know and you're, and you're like Tar- I, I was like why did you take the rapist character and then you watch <laughs> that scene you're like that's why you played that character <laughs> and it, it's it's so funny where like this would have been back when tarantino's foot fetish probably wasn't as widely publicized so you could maybe when, when do you, when do you reckon that day. really came into the kill bill yeah maybe yeah where it became people started to notice it as a, a pointless recurring theme in his, yeah, his yeah. works and so and then you fast forward to once upon a time in, in hollywood where he's just like flagrantly mm. <laughs> putting it out there because there's so many foot shots in that movie also then, I, i've shared this um on the discord and stuff but my my i like uh fan theory for uh tarantino's new fetish or not you know not not necessarily fetish mm-hmm. but i reckon his wife snores if you if you watch One Spot Time in Hollywood, there's like two beautiful, separate beautiful women in that movie who snore when they're sleeping. And I reckon Tarantino's, because mm. he's, he's, that's his first film since he's um, been married. And I reckon that's like a, a new little trait that he thinks is like a quirky little cute thing to give to like a, you know, uh, like yeah, humanizing yeah. a beautiful woman. And I think that's mm. why, because, it, but it's like, why would you do it twice in the same movie? <laughs> um, Yeah. And I I think I think that's funny now that like 
people who don't really know who Tarantino is know he has a foot fetish. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, and now it's a TikTok joke that he has a foot fetish. You mm. know, and th- so then you go back to 1996 and watch a, a movie where that he wrote where he puts Salma Hayek's foot in his mouth, and it's like. And, and doesn't read as like much as like um a writer just you know writing what's best for the story anymore and starts to feel like something he really wanted to happen mm. well do you reckon that was in the script or that was robert rodriguez on set being like i got you bro i don't know we could probably find out maybe there's a um the script has, is probably mm. online somewhere mm. um so yeah and then then salma hayek turns into a vampire and uh kills him um which was great i'm glad no, like as soon as I started to get an idea of what kind of character um, Richard Gecko was, Tarantino's character, I was like, "This is going to be the guy that dies first, or he's going to end up a vampire and be the big bad." Like, like they are making him so hateable that he's going to die in some like bombastic way, um, mm. and yeah, that he's the first to go basically. Um, what did you think? of the the design of the vampires uh it's interesting yeah yeah they're not um yeah it's there's something else they look real similar to buffy the vampire slayer i'm not familiar <laughs> like, they're, they're almost like scrolls really yeah yeah right they, way, they, yeah. they they are very heavily done up with with um with makeup and prosthetics in a way which kind of disappointed me because i was like some sharp fangs is like all you need for a really kind of classy mm. um yeah, vampire yeah, right, movie yeah. and and with with um with a lot of these monster movies and stuff i always find myself much more preferring the simplicity as opposed to these extravagant uh prosthetic effects um i'm reminded of a rather obscure tv show that i loved when i was 10 called big wolf on campus fuck you man i used this sound (laughs) the main character was a werewolf and in the first few and his his friend liked a post we made on instagram once danny martin the the actor who sings the theme song yeah yeah um and and in the first few episodes of Big Wolf on Campus, the main the main character, the werewolf makeup was this really extreme and it looked like shit, looked horrible, made him look unrelatable. And apparently the actor had an allergic yeah. reaction to it. And so they made it this real simple, like he kind of grows yeah. his sideburns out, has yellow eyes and teeth, and it looks so cool. It was Brandon someone, right? Yeah. Brandon Routh. Yeah. That's not Brad Rath. It's not Brad Rath. Did you? What did you? Did you say Danny Martin was the guy? Yeah, isn't it? Danny Smith. Sorry, Smith. Yeah, yeah Brandon Quinn. Um, I, maybe I think of the fact that this character's name was Merton J. Dingle. Merton J. Dingle. Yes. Yeah. Um. And so, and so, if you haven't seen From Dust Till Dawn, the vampires look like early Big Wolf on Campus design for Tommy Dawkins. And I don't know. I just, I just thought that it wasn't, um. It was it was a bummer because it, it, it da- it's dated worse now because of it, I think. Mm. But at the same time, um, Robert Kurtzman, who we'll talk about in a bit, um, who's a famous special effects makeup artist, was like the, the figurehead behind this whole project. And yeah. so, of course, you're going to, you know, get extravagant effects going on. Yeah, and because like, um, and Tom Savini plays like a, a character in it, like he's a reasonably main character. Um mm-hmm. Who's Tom Savini is like another famous um, uh, special effects wizard. Um, oh, is he? I, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's funny. Um, so yeah. He, he did all the um, the special effects for Friday the 13th. So the, oh. like, he, he was the one blowing um, the blood out um, from when Kevin Bacon gets stabbed oh, in the throat. Cool. Um, yeah, no, yeah he, he's, he's, he's quite a big deal in the world of 
Mm. Yeah, th- these kind of things. Mm. And I think is Gr- th- like is Greg Nicotero in it as well? Or he worked sure. on it? Yeah. Um, I think do you think they started to believe in vampires too easily? Like they don't there's no there's no setup for it. Mm. There's no like they don't talk about vampires earlier in the movie. It's just a like this one, I said how they are all some other movie pretending to be they're all vampire movies pretending to be this is like a crime caper, like a real like pulp fiction esque kind of like grisly mm. crime caper that ends up being a vampire movie. And then when the vampires show up, there's not a moment where someone they don't. I I felt like I needed a moment where someone's in disbelief and someone's like, "These are vampires." Like, vampires I found that refreshing. I, you you know how I feel about movies that characters that take too long to work things out. I and don't. They don't need to take too long, but they need to take some time. To well, go I don't from like, like okay, vampires it, not even being mentioned in the text. If someone to, we're fighting vampires turns into a vampire, mm. like because because they are familiar with the concept of vampires, right? Like. They're not like well, oh they want to the they want to suck blood and they want and they got fangs oh you know like they're familiar with the concept of like because it's it's like a common trope in zombie movies that no other zombie fiction exists mm-hmm. whereas I don't think that's the case here like they they're yeah. able to identify these as vampires and I think in real life if someone transformed like that in front of me and tried to suck my blood and said, blur, I'm from Transylvania, I would understand th- them as a vampire. Okay, maybe I missed that scene. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Cheech Marin plays three different roles in this movie, which is pretty funny, especially because mm-hmm. he played two different roles across the... No, three different roles across El Mariachi trilogy. Um, and uh, Danny Trejo is also in the movie, and the only actor to appear in all three films in the trilogy, which also makes him our, our eighth most watched actor for the podcast, having appeared in 14 other films across five other franchises, mm. including... Spike and Slash Machete, Desperado, The Muppets, Halloween, and Harold and Kumar, um, and six if you count his role in the latest American Pie film, which we exclusively covered on oh, Patreon. Yeah. yeah. If we're going just off, um, if we're only counting like times we've seen people, he's second. Oh. Mm. Who's first? Uh, Kelly Sheridan. Tom's oh, no, it's Dismal Arts first. <laughs> right. I was like, yeah, we'll say. Um, but yeah, we've got a bunch of... Um, Dave, Desmond Llewellyn, between him and Daddy Trejo, is uh, Dave Goals, who's, mm-hmm. I believe, Gonzo. Um, so he's a bunch oh, of Muppet right. movies. But then he was also randomly in An American Werewolf in London. <laughs> mm. If anyone is curious, I would say the most famous person who is the top of the list is Sylvester Stallone. We've seen, I think, 13 films with him in it. Oh, yeah, yeah. But that would be a recent record, I guess, because Rocky would have really beefed that those numbers up. Yeah, and um, Antonio Banderas is in behind at 12. Nice. We recently paid, well, renewed our Letterboxd Pro subscription. As By recently, I mean about two hours ago in oh, preparation right. for, for these stats. Uh, so originally, this film was conceived by uh, Robert Kurtzman, who I said before is the sort of famous, you know, big swinging dick in the special effects makeup world. Mm. Um, and he hired Tarantino to write the script. He, hired, he paid him fifteen hundred dollars okay, to write the script. Um, and this was Tarantino's first screenplay gig. 
Um, and initially, Universal wanted From Dust Till Dawn to be a sequel in and of itself to Tales from the Crypt Presents Demon Knight, which was an anthology film series based off the anthology TV show Tales from the Crypt. Um, while From Dust Till Dawn became its own thing, there was a 1996 vampiric sequel to Demon Knight uh, called Tales from the Crypt Bordello of Blood. Hmm. Um, so that's a fun little occurrence i've got some dumb imdb trivia this is of mm-hmm. course um if you go on imdb and look at the trivia section it's all user submitted so it's often poorly written um and real stupid and here are some pieces of dumb imdb trivia for from dust till dawn uh beginning with uh maybe this is uh, maybe we could go to problematic corner for this <gasps> maybe we could it's not like these movies aren't problematic like it's they're very male gazy. It's mostly set in a, a titty bar. Mm. So sh- shall we say it? So with the, within dumb to IMDb trivia, I've got a problematic corner. Thing. All right, here we go. <laughs> Ooh, I bet this didn't age well. Let's get a laugh at someone else's expense. I have to warn you, this might get obscene. This the problematic corner where ain't nothing PC. Okay, there it is. Thank you so much, Carlisle, for, for the theme song for Problematic Corner, a section I guess we'll be looking to include more stuff in now to include. We don't have to that, that theme song. Okay, so we, we need Hayek. now we need a we need a dumb IMDb trivia. Like it would probably would have been better to get a dumb IMDb trivia theme song than a Problematic mm. Corner one. Um, yeah, yeah, that's true. Or continue the franchise or any other segment. Carlisle, want another 50 bucks if you're listening? (laughs) Feature feature a lot more than Problematic Corner. Mm. All right, here it is. Salma Hayek has a real fear of snakes and had always refused to be near them. Naturally, when she read the script for From Dusk Till Dawn, in which her character is holding a snake, she knew her phobia would prevent her from taking the part. Robert Rodriguez conned her into thinking that Madonna was ready to nab the part instead, so Hayek spent two months with therapists to overcome her fear. Uh, which is the second instance of uh, behind-the-scenes Robert Rodriguez trivia we've found where he tricked Salma Hayek into doing something she was uncomfortable with on camera. The first one being a sex scene so, from yeah. um, Desperado. But also, like, this was after Desperado, so she was obviously, you know, like, came back for this. Mm, I guess so. But that doesn't necessarily mean she's not being manipulated. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, halfway like through, that. I was like, uh <laughs> well i'm not i was re- i was here gonna hear you out <laughs> um, sorry and that's it. Salma, that's, if you're listening that's the problematic thing so i hope the theme song is probably the best part of that whole section yeah um we got more dharma imdb trivia though um the humorous line so so uh before Salma hayek's character dies she tells george Clooney that she's going to make him her slave and uh he drops a chandelier on her and says no thanks i've already had a wife um the humorous line no thanks i've already had a wife was improvised by george clooney director robert rodriguez never intended it to be in the final cut but after the studio included the line in a trailer he felt obligated to include it in the film and i know how robert rodriguez feels here because george clooney's character's wife isn't part of like I feel like that joke would work a lot better if you knew he had an ex-wife. 
you know? But, yeah. like, that's the first you hear of it. But at the same time, this actually reveals something really interesting about the film because that scene is after Salma Hayek's transformed into a vampire. Mm. And if that wasn't a trailer, then this isn't the it was hidden from all the marketing oh, yeah. kind of thing that you, that we're told it was. If you Google from Dust Till Dawn trailer, the first video that comes up, or might be the second, is the thumbnail is Salma Hayek transformed. I don't think this actually was kept out of the marketing as much as you're led to believe. Because it is this midway through the twi- the film twist. But, yeah. I mean, I didn't actually watch the trailer to fact check it. But, um, <laughs> I, yeah, like, because um, I was talking to someone today shout out um Widimu, if you're listening um about uh, from dust of dawn and he was saying about how it's um like one of the film going experiences he's most the hypothetical film going experiences he's most jealous of is 1996 sitting in from dust or dawn and not knowing what was coming like that would have been mm. mind-blowing kind of thing it's sort of like the the war of the worlds um created hysteria thing mm. that's probably not it's just a, apocryphal that? yeah yeah, yeah. Um, I'm watching the trailer fun now. Word for you. <laughs> Thank you so much for that fun word. Apocryphal. I'm watching the trailer on mute. Um, it's mostly just Tarantino and Clooney with guns. I'll skip through it a little bit. All right, they're in the bar. Joe, I've actually been all week. I've been thinking, how can I drop the word apocryphal into yeah. the podcast? And I can't believe there's that. vampires in the trailer. Yeah, there's vampires in the trailer. Yeah. What's the fucking point? What's the fucking point? But yeah, that, that is that is really interesting. That it's like, yeah, that it wasn't actually this thing. But it, it is one of those things. It's that's so like, fucking apocryphal. God, it is. Um, but it's like, why would you? Like, it's one of those movies that's like, without the twist, why would you watch it? Mm. Like, the twist well, is the most interesting okay. thing about it. Okay, it's the most interesting thing about it when you hear it on paper. I quite liked the the. I probably preferred the first half before it went into like there's there's not not an interesting movie about yeah a sure yeah pair but it's, pair it's of like criminals. But I'd say the twist is the most interesting thing about it. Yeah, but it, it is like it's it's fairly generic apart from that. That's what I say. Mm. Obvious. Like I, I mean, why would you watch it? And people watch all kinds of stupid shit. Um, but. <laughs> Uh, I people mean, watch people, fucking two girls one cup and it's people like, listen to this podcast i've seen it, I've seen it. <laughs> uh speaking of apocryphy richard um which is all dumb imdb trivia after this <laughs> uh quinta tarantino originally gave the script to makeup effects technician robert kurtzman to direct when he couldn't commit tarantino showed the script to robert rodriguez who eagerly signed on that's just straight up not what happened my dude like, <laughs> that's like robert kurtzman created the idea um, it was George Clooney's idea for Seth, his character, to have a tattoo, having just seen Once Were Warriors. Huh. Now, yes, later on we will talk about how the star of Once Were Warriors <laughs> is in a later film in this trilogy, but also, like, he had the idea for his character to have a tattoo after seeing a movie. It's like, this, they didn't invent having t- tattoos. Um, and, oh, here we go, Tom Savini really knew how to use the use a whip. This is obvious when viewing the movie. <laughs> Only if Not you know apocryphal. who Tom Savini is. <laughs> Not apocryphal, just stupidly worded. <laughs> um, and the final, uh, final dumb piece of I'm um, piece of dumb IMDb trivia here. Uh, this marks the first time in a film script by Quentin Tarantino and that Harvey Keitel co-stars with him that they are on opposite sides of the law and reservoir dogs and pulp fiction they were both criminals in this film tarantino is a criminal and Keitel is a former preacher although he still wears the clothes and a hat incidentally they both wear glasses in the film (laughs) 
I love that. Is this a spiritual sequel to our famous Toy Story 2, Dumb IMDb? <laughs> they still wear clothes in a hat. And incidentally, they both wear glasses. <laughs> what I, I want to die in a world where that's considered trivia, where two you could, characters you could have stopped wearing glasses. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's only going to get worse from here, Richard, because we're now delving into the weird and wonderful world of straight-to-DVD sequels with From Dusk Till Dawn 2... Texas Blood Money from 1999, and my only wish is that this movie would, would have actually been called From Dust Till Dawn 2, Texas Blood Money 1999. <laughs> like 1999 being part of the title. <laughs> it just sounds funny. <laughs> uh, this was directed by Scott Spiegel, who's shown up and will, I think, probably show up in a coming franchise uh, before. Do you, do you recognize that name? Uh, he's the rooftop pizza thief in Spider-Man 2. Is he really? Yeah, is that he is. Scott Spiegel? Yeah. That makes a lot of sense because he's also one of the writers on Evil Dead 2. And I think he wrote a Phantasm movie? I guess we'll find out. Or we won't find out, depending on where the Patreon votes are. Where do you think this this lies on Ron Tomatoes? Uh, I, I do know. I believe it's oh. in the single digits, right? Correct nine you'll never guess now <laughs> could be any of them uh yeah it's nine percent on ron tomatoes pause for for applause and you know what the thing is i was taking a drink um but then my next note is like asking you what the movie's about i could have taken a drink <laughs> what's this movie about well this movie's about what are you drinking no, I'm actually not drinking anything. It's an empty can. Um, oh, you got me. <laughs> I got you. Two years of acting training. Uh, so this this is a heist movie. Um, five criminals gather to pull off a bank heist, um, but they soon realize they're up against far more frightening creatures than the police pursuing them. Uh, yeah, like again, this this one starts Mexican heist movie. Um, Tuco is in it from Breaking Bad, and um, the T one thousand from Terminator. Robert 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 Patrick. Patrick. Um, is he T one thousand? Is that the right one? The right model. I don't fucking know, dude. T one two three. Yeah, that's some. Um, yeah. So yeah, there you go. Yeah, so they they stumble across across the titty twister where they're they're just when they thought they were out, they're pulled back in um, to <laughs> a world of vampires. Yeah, uh, and what did you think of this movie? Um, it, it like yeah, the, 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 these two are bad. Like, uh, I'm sorry, there's no way around it. I know, I know, you loved them. <laughs> Fuck off! I didn't love them. Um, we should have. I don't even like them. Wait, I don't even like her. <laughs> um yeah they, they they are like they're very low quality they have that that, that same kind of like telenovela um look to them oh yeah um where it's like very very flat kind of direction but then at the same time actually one of the things i i liked about it is that they are kind of uh creative with their direction i agree direction and parts um that like a lot of use of like pov shots and stuff like that but it's like yeah it'll, it'll be this like really flatly lit scene yeah like no depth of field anything and then they just have a chat and then it's like this is what the inside of the phone looks like 
Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that they the best thing I could say about this film is that there is an effort to keep some of the Rodriguez flavor and mm. how it's presented. Like there's there's a really cool shot where um Tuco from Breaking Bad is getting attacked by a vampire and the camera is from inside the vampire's mouth, so the mm. the sharp teeth like border the frame. Um and stuff like, which is very cheesy but not not cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um it's full of stuff like that. I, sh- I shouldn't say f- it has stuff like that. It's certainly not full of stuff mm. like that. It's peppered with um, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, when I thought the the setup was interesting, making it like you know these crum- criminals getting back in the game, and then I do like the idea of a heist movie where they get bit by vampires during the heist and that becomes what it's about yeah that's their being picked off one by one kind of thing yeah but when it got down to it i found it insanely mind-numbing to keep Mm, watching just just like nothing happening um and yeah so there's a pretty fun sequence with police fighting the vampires at the end which goes on for ages and um hilariously is prolonged because of an eclipse which i can't tell if it's if that's funny or just bad lazy screenwriting that an eclipse happens which lets them extend the dawn you know Mm. um and so the vampires can attack uh the i also thought that um the the film uses a lot of bats uh that that look really funny Mm. Um, they they haven't got a good enough of like you know budget to make bats look scary and so it's yeah. a lot of puppets it's flying shit. around it's bat shit it's it, bat, bat shit, shit is the new buck wild <laughs> i thought this and, was bat shit crazy <laughs> no not even crazy just bat shit it's like calling something dog shit <laughs> it's just a little crazier than than dog shit um, is bat shit a which, little crazier than dog shit? I guess it is. Well, because yeah. of bat shit insane. Right, yeah, If, yeah. if something's just bat shit. Well, I, but I guess also, I mean, you know, speaking from New to Zealand. To each their own, to each their own. To, speaking from New Zealand, <laughs> if I saw bat shit, I'd be like, damn, that's out of place. If I saw dog shit, I'd be like, it's where dog shit belongs, you know? Um, exactly. We don't really have bats in New Zealand, so. It's called guano. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Batshit. There's a scene that's a very clear ripoff rip off of Psycho. Yeah, uh, where yeah. a woman gets killed in a shower by a bat, and it looks very silly. And is one of those things where you watch the film and you're like, ah, "You shouldn't have, you shouldn't have gone for this." Mm. Sorry, we have two uh, types Scott, of bats Scott, in New Zealand. Scott Spiegel. Pick-a, yeah, I thought we did. Yeah, yeah. long tail bat and the lesser short tailed bat. It's <laughs> good. <laughs> <laughs> it's not enough that your tail's shorter. They actually call you lesser. <laughs> it's not about size, all right? It's how you it use is. the tail. It is. Doesn't make me lesser. I may be a lesser tail, a lesser short tail bat, but it does not make me a I'm lesser bat. I'm not a bat. lesser bat, yeah. <laughs> um, I think um, 
there's a lot of this so a lot of this film is just characters watching porn in a hotel room um complaining that there isn't enough story which is pretty funny for a movie with <laughs> not a lot of story <laughs> and this felt like an attempt at some kind of tarantino-esque dialogue scene yeah yeah like um you know? like a virgin kind of thing yeah 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 exactly uh the film is apparently a prequel uh, or at least the Wikipedia page for the first film refers to both two and three as prequels, and that's the only place I can find it referred to as a prequel. I, I agree with you, it's silly, but I thought I'd dive into this because there's not a lot else to talk about. So that's on, on um, the page for the original. Yeah, film. if you go down to sequels, it says the film has two prequels. Um, three is obviously a prequel, no arguments there, but two is a little more vague. I thought maybe it was considered a prequel because Danny Trejo's character is in this one as well, and his his character, whose name is Razor Charlie, dies in the first film, so I thought there, therefore right, yeah, this the is a prequel because he's he's alive, but... Apparently, this character in uh, from Dustal Dawn Two is Razor Charlie's twin brother, Razor Eddie. <laughs> That's so, so Robert Rodriguez. <laughs> so I don't think it is a prequel. Um, putting that that tiny sliver of a rumor to bed. Mm. Oh, um, Bruce Campbell's in this movie as well. <laughs> yeah, he's in the opening scene, and Tiffany uh, Thiessen as well which makes this our ninth film to feature Bruce Campbell um, and our fourth franchise after various cameos in the Spider-Man trilogy. Um, and then the, of course the evil dead films and that one Herbie movie. Um, mm. But interestingly, I thought of these nine appearances, five of them are cameos. <laughs> so he's, he's, he's really playing the, the, the quick, quick and fast game to get his numbers up in our franchises. <laughs> yeah. 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 Because like he even has a cameo in an Evil Dead. Movie. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Do you have anything else to say about From Dust Till Dawn, Texas Blood? Uh, there's one sex scene that's very aggressive. <laughs> oh, you think? You With, reckon? Um, oh, that's that's how I do it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what? Now the way you were like, oh, you reckon? You reckon that was aggressive? Like it was very like, oh, you 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 call that aggressive? <laughs> Um, oh, you were you were being me. Yeah, I was being you. Um, yeah, no, yeah. So it, it's I don't know. I don't know much to say about it, but it's just a very like it's like if you programmed a humping robot, it would look like mm. Raymond Cruz in that scene. It's just <laughs> very like yeah, da, 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 like a very solid rhythm, and it's like fully compressing the entire bed. Um, it's like if if you were to do like a. Uh, like a, yeah, like a Looney Tunes like stretch and squash style animation of two mm. people having sex, but you could only make like three frames and, and just repeat them. That's what it would look like. Interesting. I was to understand that's what sex looked like anyway. Mm. <laughs> thank you for not thank you for not laughing at my joke, Richard. Very helpful. <laughs> <laughs> You're like I got him. <laughs> you got me by <laughs> <laughs> from dust or dawn three the hangman's daughter uh came out in 2000 a lot of places said it came out as well in 1999 and i was going to do this big thing about isn't that interesting that these two sequels came out in this... apparently it's just wrong in a bunch of places it, actually it played at a film festival and on halloween 1999 right so you go. places yeah often do that where they call it that this was directed by PJ Pesci, uh, who also directed Sniper 3, Lost Boys, The Tribe, and Smoke and Aces 2, Assassin's Ball. So there is a chance we may see him again in the future if any of those franchises <laughs> ever win. Do you know he what this has on Rotten Tomatoes? He also did the soundtrack for Spy Kids. 
Oh. Apparently. Wow, there you go. Um, Do you know what this has on Rotten Tomatoes? I I don't, actually. I'm going to guess it's quite low, though. Or it doesn't have one. Oh, it doesn't have one. Are you going for that? Yes. It has one, you idiot! Uh, you fucking fool! I led you right into my trap, and I'm a vampire! I fe- I'm a vampire that feeds off you being wrong. I believe you, immediately. I believe you. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, is... I still win from earlier. <laughs> <laughs> this has 22% on Ron Tomatoes. Uh, do you want to tell me what it's about? Because I couldn't. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this is um, this is actually a sequel. Um, no, this one's <laughs> definitely a prequel. It's set, uh, 100 years before the events of the first one, I believe, or roughly. It's, it's the early 1900s. Yeah, the dude escapes from the gallows, kidnaps the hangman's beautiful daughter, Esmeralda, mm-hmm. teams up with a couple other people, and they seek shelter in a brothel, um, mm-hmm. which is uh, run by vampires. And um, Esmeralda is actually revealed to be a vampire herself. Well, she gets bit. She, she's the, she's the daughter of the vampire Princess, queen. Yeah. Um. um the, the, queen. the brothel they stay at, by the way, is still the titty twister. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just called a different the devil's thing. nipple. Is what it's mm, called. Um, yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So uh, this it's it's sort of presented as a prequel story for Satanico Sa- Sa- Pandemonium, which is Selma Hayek's character. Mm. So I think the implication is that the hangman's daughter is Selma Hayek. Right. But that I don't know if that's what it was meaning or not. Um. Yeah. This so this one's a western. This one's a western that's actually a vampire movie. Um. What did you think of this? Uh, I like the idea of it more than I like it. Mm, that's a great way to, to say it. To, that's a great thing to say about literally every film in this franchise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, like, it, it is, um, the idea of doing a third Dust or Dawn film that's like, takes the same layout. It's like, let's do a film and make it, uh, you know, one type of film before it, it, mm. it, it changes to a vampire movie. And it's like, yeah, do that with a... A period piece like that's an interesting mm. way to take it and to show the origin of the titty twister and all this but mm. titty twisters yeah. origins yeah it, it, it the is series should have been called titty twisters <laughs> but i did um yeah found myself pretty bored for most of the film to be honest mm. i paid unusual attention to it because the only way i could end up watching it was on my phone because my so you can't distract too, yourself <laughs> too shit yeah exactly um, I didn't think this one was that bad. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> that's the thing. Hey. Yeah, I, I paid unusually little attention to it, um, right? Um, mm. Because the only way I could watch it was while I was um, waiting for Far Cry Six to transfer <laughs> onto my PS Five, um, and so I, I my mind was elsewhere. <laughs> I'd, I'd probably regard this as one of the more promising straight-to-DVD sequels we've ever seen, out of yeah. all the many that we have seen. I think with a higher budget and probably better actors involved, it could probably stand on its own. It could be its own mm. thing. It, it, it a, does. I'd say it rises above the second one just in the interestingness of yeah, doing it. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know? it's very interesting. 
Um, what are your thoughts on on the cast and characters? There's uh, Michael Parks plays real life author who went missing or went to go join the revolution. Ambrose Bierce in this movie. He's sort of he's not really the main character, but he's kind of like the narrative backbone of the story. Uh, and he looks so much like Brian Cranston, but 2021 Brian Cranston, not 2000 Brian Cranston. <laughs> and I, I, the only reason I didn't check to see if it was actually Brian Cranston because I was like. He would not look like this in the year. <laughs> um, um, but it's Michael Parks. Yeah, I'm who just was gonna, also in the first one, actually. Um, double check. <laughs> like, uh, did I pick up on him looking like, um, like uh, Brian Cranston? I'm just gonna look for a photo of him. Like specific, <laughs> specifically in this movie. I don't know yeah, yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so he's he's sort of this part of the story. <laughs> yeah, I, where, I didn't where, pick up on that, but now looking at him, it's like, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he's like this drunk old man who's escaped America to join a revolution. Um, and I don't, it's 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 just this interesting idea where it's like, I you know, you don't often see, and this is sort of my whole thesis on From Dust Till Dawn 3, The Hangman's Daughter, is it's just like a lot of ideas that you don't typically see in straight-to-DVD movies. Texas Blood Money is a movie that's trying to copy what was good about the first one, knowing it's shitter and knowing it's mm. not going to do as well. This feels like a passion project that didn't get fully funded. Like there's there's lore and there's ideas and there's world building in it that just isn't very good because of the amount of money they were given, mm. but it's still in there, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel you. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's more love put into this one. Yeah, um, Timuera Morrison is also put into this one. Um, our, our, our national pride. Uh, this is a joke because I think Timuera Morrison is mostly a bad actor and mostly everything he's in. Um, he is the titular hangman. Uh, mm. making his second appearance in a straight-to-DVD sequel this year after the Scorpion King 3 Battle for Redemption. Um, and he's putting on a very subtle abstract accent, which doesn't quite take him out of New Zealand, uh, <laughs> but doesn't really place him anywhere else. Um, uh, and there's also a scene where he makes out with his titular recently-turned vampire daughter. So I thought that was weird. And it's fucking hot. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, what do you what do you think of Tim Weir Morrison in this film? Do you think he he I, I, like you, know, you say what you will about Tim, but he gives <laughs> you know this. He's a consistent performer, whether he's in From Dust or Dawn three or Scorpion King four or whatever it was three three he's he's just as bad as he is in star wars <laughs> and this guy this is the guy that's getting his own series directed mm. by robert rodriguez coming out this year this is the guy famous for his tattoo in once for warriors <laughs> it is it is i feel like he he straddles the line between him and ron perlman are two actors where when they're cast in something people are like oh my god they got them and it's like these guys were in straight to so many straight to they're in the scorpion king is ron Ron perlman's in it he's in scorpion king 2 right i know he's in scorpion king 4 right um but he's um, like uh uh, what's his face lou ferrigna yeah he um is he was recently cast as optimus primal and the beast wars transformers movie and it's like okay i don't think he's very expensive i don't think he's a hard mm. get he's a good actor. Ron Perlman. He's, uh, yeah 
Ron but Perlman's this, cool, but um, he'll do a Scorpion King sequel. You know, you're not going to get like Hugo Weaving doing a Scorpion King. I, sequel. I, I reckon, like, if I was like Brad Pitt's level of fame, say, mm. I would like once a year be like, I'm available for the shit. Put me in the shittiest fucking movie. I don't care. Right. You know, like, uh, like I, I would do a Dust to Dawn Seven or like a mm. um, like some shitty Hallmark Christmas movie. It's like. Make make it known I'm available for one day of the year and I'll appear. Well, I don't care what it is. Your student I mean, film, I'll do it. <laughs> that's essentially what Samuel Jackson did with Snakes on a Plane. Yeah. Like that whole movie like was elevated above usual Z grade tier because he signed on to it. Yeah. But that would just be like, I would find that so fun if I had that, mm. that level of, of clout. Mm. Too bad I never will. <laughs> I'll appear on one podcast, anyone's podcast. Yeah. I've got uh, one piece of dumb IMDb trivia for this film. On IMDb it says, under the spoiler section, at 38 minutes we recognise the facade of the future Titty Twister bar. I didn't recognise it. (laughs) Yeah, you didn't even know. (laughs) Um, I couldn't confirm this, but a lot of this film feels like it would have started its life as an unrelated movie mm. that was then like, just make it a From Dust Till Dawn sequel. You'll get funding for it. Yeah. Um, and as I said before, I, I, don't, I wouldn't say I particularly enjoyed it as much as I'm surprised that it was this original story and mm. it wasn't just a poor man's version of the original movie. Um, and I think a lot of that comes down to Robert Rodriguez actually having some involvement in mm. the story. He's credited as, as um, coming up with the story along with his cousin, um, Alvaro Rodriguez, who is also credited with coming up with the story and writing the screenplay. Mm, I was then, wondering uh, if there was a relation there. Yeah, yeah because when when the credits started rolling, and I was like, that wasn't entirely awful. And mm. then Alvaro screen uh, Alvaro Rodriguez came up. I was like, okay, I see what's happening here. <laughs> what? But Richard, let, and let they me, don't let have me, a clue. <laughs> <laughs> let me pitch. Let me pitch you this. Is From Dusk Till Dawn 3, The Hangman's Daughter, secretly a really good blueprint for a prequel? Is this the best prequel? Before you answer, (laughs) remember how many bad prequels there are. Um, Because I thought it was interesting that it uses familiar imagery and themes and set inside the same fictional universe. All of that stands up to, you know, to... Uh, yeah it's definitely related um but because it's a different time period and new characters um we don't know who lives or dies the only character who returns from a previous movie is um razor charlie danny trejo's character Mm. who if anything promises the main characters won't survive the night because we know Mm. he's alive so like it usually the problem with a prequel is like you know this character is going to survive yeah. the movie because they're in the one that's set after it. But in this, it's like a villainous character is still alive in this one and isn't a central focus. And so, if anything, that creates more stakes, I guess. Mm. You know? I don't know. I thought yeah. it, was, it worked well as a prequel despite not being a good movie. I, I, like, I, I think doing it, like it's a prequel. Yeah, I, I think maybe the, the, what you're saying, the blueprint for a good prequel is to prequelize um like the 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 setting rather than mm. the characters mm. i think maybe that's yeah. what what works um mm. uh, yeah like, like take something about the world and look at when the world was created not mm. with the character's previous adventure you know yeah man we're gonna bring this to hollywood get them to make some good prequels for once what what <laughs> what is one that you can make a prequel to and do and use this blueprint <sighs> um 
I can only think of Monsters Inc. because that's the first mm. prequel that comes to mind. But that's like anything with a rich world. I'm well, no. An example that I'm worried about is Furiosa, the Mad Max mm. uh, Fury Road prequel about Furiosa. Is like I'll take a prequel set in the world of Fury Road, but one about this character that I know will survive. Mm. You know, that's what that's what concerns me. But I guess I was just impressed that this film and the trilogy as a whole is nothing special. Even the first one's nothing special. But I love the blueprint of taking a central concept and exploring it mm. in sequels with different genres and time eras, which is something we've only seen with Fear Street very recently. <laughs> but is like so often what I think should, like, that's so often I continue the franchise. That's so mm. often, like, see, you know, like there's the, those rumors of the, um, I think it's more than rumors, I think it's confirmed, the, um, the predator movie that's coming out that's set mm. in frontiers times and it's like yeah man every horror franchise should be doing that yeah, yeah do a do a colonial um final destination you know rather than having your fucking main character's boyfriend drop your phone in custard so that <laughs> you can't use your phone it's like just set it in colonial times halloween <laughs> 2018 come on um yeah so that is the trilogy so we talk about titles a lot on this podcast. Mm, yeah, um, we do. We do. And um, before we get to what, what we all thought of the titles, what we all, all of us, all two of us. Um, Leave your comments I, below. I thought it was interesting that the franchise in Brazil is called A Drink in Hell. That's cool. What do you think about From Dusk Till Dawn uh, as a title? It's interesting. So... Because what it, what it, what it says on the Titty Twister, and I'm just I'm just going to quickly Google. It titty. says open dusk till yeah, dawn. Yeah, and it's and I kind of had an issue with that. I think that it doesn't have the word from. What it's like, yeah, that it doesn't have the word from, or like you call the movie just dusk till dawn or open dusk till dawn. That it's like, yeah, you 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 have most of a title bomb in the film, but not really. I do think From Dusk Till Dawn is the best combination of those words, though. It's more I wish the movie wrote that on the well, side. Well, you could, you could call it Dusk Till Dawn. I think From Dusk Till Dawn is better, though, because that that tells you this is a story which takes place overnight, you know? Mm. Like, it, it, it almost adds a ticking clock to the concept, whereas Dusk Till Dawn is just night as a concept. Right, okay, yeah. Hmm. What do you think That's- of... Texas Blood not- Money and The Hangman's Daughter. Uh, I I kind of like that they're like fairly generic titles. Yeah. Like Texas Blood Money is like, it's just like, this is a heist movie. The Hangman's Daughter is like, oh, this is a saucy Western. Mm. Um, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I, I kind of like that that's their pattern is it's like still burying the lead of the yeah, yeah. vampire sure. movie. Yeah, sure. Yeah, good point. Yeah, that's cool. Awesome. Well, what do you hey, think Richard. Of them? Uh, yeah, they're fine. No. <laughs> I, I, I really like From Dusk Till Dawn as a moniker. I'm I could give or take the the titles, but that's yeah. a good that's a good um I don't know going out to what do you call it? Good praise of them. What you just did? Mm. What you Defense. just did? Defense. Continue the franchise, Richard. This is our famous segment where we where we doesn't have a theme song. Yeah, the, probably our oldest segment and the only one that doesn't have a theme song. It's not probably our oldest segment. This is definitely our oldest segment. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this is a segment yeah, this, where we... This, this podcast could have been called Continue the Franchise at one point. Yeah, I agree. Not really. Well, I mean, not we didn't really seriously talk about it, but we did say we should call it this because we should have called it this because that's what we do. That's the hook. I think Franchise Roulette would have been the better title for the podcast. 
than if better it, than film franchise Walnuts? No, not necessarily. But if we were going to name Cole it, Pop shit? if we were going to name it after one of the segments, I think franchise roulette, while now being outdated because it's not mm. always the way we decide, would have been yeah. would have conveyed the idea more. What about we talk about titles a lot on this podcast? Wouldn't have worked. Would never have worked. This is a segment where we pitch a sequel or a continuation. We just call the podcast Problematic Corner. <laughs> <laughs> like, I wouldn't want the fans we would get from that. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so, in terms of continuations already from Dust Till Dawn, has got a couple of notable non-film follow-ups, uh, including a 2001 PC game, which is a sequel to the original f- film, which is just titled From Dust Till Dawn, um, in which you play as Seth Gecko, who is now incarcerated on a floating tanker-turned-prison off the coast of New Orleans, uh, mm. which then becomes infiltrated with vampires. So, like, a pretty, like, a completely original story yeah. that's a sequel that actually came out after the third one like you know exists out there and it looks kind of interesting there's also a pretty interesting looking documentary about the making of the original film it oh. came out in, in 1997 it's called full tilt boogie uh which <laughs> interestingly has a higher rotten tomato score than any of the actual films with 88 percent yeah that's um it's not uncommon i don't think actually. yeah yeah but probably one of the most well-known of all uh, the continuations for the series was the TV series Remake, which ran for three seasons between 2014 and 2016, though was technically never cancelled. The actors were just let go of their contracts mm. and they never it's, cancelled it's a, it. It's a Netflix original internationally. Mm. And I tell you what, AJ, I watched it. You watched the whole thing? No, nah, fuck no. I, <laughs> I yeah, we, we, at the start of the, because um, you're looking to see on streaming services if From Dust to Dawn is on any of them. Before remembering, I have From Dust to Dawn on DVD. Um, uh, yeah, it came out with a series and I sent you <laughs> that it was on Netflix. It was like, one of us is going to have to. Cause yeah, we after, set, set uh, a dangerous uh, precedent of watching the TV show. Versions. Yeah, after Evangelion, yeah. Mm. But you didn't watch it? No, not even, no. not even a little bit. What didn't even didn't even cross my mind. I nearly watched the first episode, uh, but then I didn't. Uh, it expands upon the story of the original film and includes all the main characters who are recast and remolded. I think tarantino's mm. character is just like a reckless person now and not like a sex offender mm. um danny trejo shows up in season two uh but in what is probably the more interesting casting decision uh robert patrick star of from dust till dawn 2 mm. texas blood money plays jacob fuller who's harvey Keitel's character from the original <laughs> movie cool. so that's kind of you know one of those things was probably he probably wasn't cast because he was in the sequel it's just mm. he's he landed two separate roles where he plays two pretty important characters um are you gonna watch the show no okay well uh spoilers for the show (laughs) (laughs) uh when looking on the wikipedia page for this it has one of those those neat little wikipedia tables where it has like all the cast members and then it's like blocked out who play who they play in each season Mm. sort of thing and uh robert patrick's one is only in season one of three so I think he dies. I think that's yeah. what happens to the character. One other interesting thing, like a very tangential thing, but um, the the joked about title for a sequel mm. to um, Shaun of the Dead is From Dusk Till Shaun, which actually shows up in Into the Spider-Verse in the alternate oh, uh, wow. um, universe 
that has like uh the coca-cola logos it's a different brand mm. but it's like all these brands that are like similar to ours but not quite it has a poster for from dust or sean there you go i do i remember reading about that before i knew what from dusk till dawn was mm. and th- th- that'd be great like th- that's a great idea I'd, actually it, just in the last couple of days eager writers said no i'm probably not going to do a sequel to from uh, from uh <laughs> probably not going to do a sequel to Shaun of the dead essentially saying like people always say like hey just pop one out it's like that would take three years of my life i would have to be really passionate about it like mm. movies take movies are hard to make mm. um but like if you were going to do a, a sequel to Shaun of the dead that would be a great way to do it. That it's like you just take the same cast of characters. How would they deal with vampires? Like, the, you know, is this your continue the franchise is pitching a sequel to Short of the Dead? Yeah. <laughs> what do you think of that idea for the continuation of Short of the Dead? Yeah, and no, I think it's a good idea. They make it, a, yeah, make it like an anthology film that you just yeah, reset yeah. the timeline, but they're just faced with a different monster yeah, yeah. of the week. Yeah, that's good. Um, after all that that that's been said and done, though, Richard, there's not a lot left for us to pitch because a TV show, a video game, and sequels set in different time periods is all of my bag of tricks. Those are all my old revivals. Um, um, so, Wikipedia also lists a cancelled fourth film. I don't know if you were going to mention that, but uh, I I, th- I think that's just a Wikipedia someone on Wikipedia being hopeful. Hmm. Couldn't, couldn't find um, it. What do you else. not have? Do you not have a continuation? I do. Or? I do. So I, I interrupted have- your segue, didn't I? No, I, it's fine. I didn't. It wasn't a segue. It's okay. Just continue. <laughs> okay. I mean, I'm pitching a Christmas movie. It's called oh, nice. From Dusk Till Dawn, Jingle Hell, uh, in which Santa delivers presents to the Titty Twister bar and must fight nice. off a bunch of vampires and escape so he can deliver the rest of the presents before dawn. Nice. That's good. Mm. Yeah, nice using uh, mm. From Dusk Till Dawn. You might be able to hear, but I don't know if you can hear it on, on the, probably not on the recording, but my cats are going fucking buck wild scratching at the door. Going batshit. <laughs> uh, my continue the franchise is, uh, I don't have I 100% have a title, but it'll be called something along the lines of like, From Dusk Till Dawn, Deep Space Nine. Right, like a future set one. Yeah, it's a future set one um, on a spaceship. Um mm. The SS yeah. Titty Twitter. Titty yeah. <laughs> right. I was going to say Titty But yeah, it would have some, some generic um, uh, sci-fi subtitle. But yeah, like do, uh, vampires are revealed to be on the ship halfway mm. through. Um, halfway through a sci-fi. That's cool. I really yeah. like that. Nice. And then, yeah, like another time period. But yeah, because the, the hangman's daughter ends with like the the Aztec temple or whatever, like that that the titty twister is built upon that we see at the end of the first film. Mm. Um, and it's like, you're doing that, like, but it's a whole, but it's a spaceship. <laughs> That's great. Hey, uh, well, that brings us to one of our final segments, which is of course our favorite section segment. Oh, I forgot um, about this. Rank <laughs> debt franchise where we rank our franchises. We have covered um, 137. Too fucking many, to be honest. This is our 138th franchise that we've covered on the show. The spookiest number. We've <laughs> we've recently um, this this segment has recently come under fire, Richard, by us um, because the big we're, shit. But you know what? I'm coming around to it. I'm coming back. I'm like, <laughs> you know, maybe it's important that we have some kind of cool integration with Letterboxd in our. You know, and I mean, having re having re like uh, renewed our subscription to Pro and seeing all our stats, I'm like, this is fine. Like, this is this is maybe this is what we need to to give this. You know, maybe we need to get back into the the mindset of having 
rankings. Maybe it's okay. Maybe we do. All right, Where do so you think this, this should be ranked? <laughs> is this a good franchise or a bad franchise? I think it's probably below. Is it below the Nymphomaniac Constant? I think I think as far as mostly straight to DVD franchises go, it's very consistent. However, I'm saying that like that makes them any of them great, which they are not. I'm hmm. thinking, I'm thinking, um, 116 below the Boondock Saints. So. Sound good? All right, so it's between the oh, Boondock no, Saints. Oh, no, we're above Boondock Saints. You're going to above Boondock Saints? It, 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 it's, Boondock Saints is the is 100% the franchise to put it next to, but I think it's better than Boondock Saints. Well, okay, but now it's between the search for Santa Paws and the Boondock Saints, and I'm just remembering that horrific musical number from <laughs> the search for Santa Paws, which makes me think we should put it above the search for Santa Paws, which would actually put it next to Machete. Oh, yeah, that's nice. You're terrible. There you go. So two Robert Rodriguez franchises right next to each other. All right, that is it. It is officially the 114th best franchise we've ever watched. Um, and yeah, and now we're going to check what our next franchise is. What could it be? It's Spooktober. So over at patreon.com slash we put it up to you guys. We said, pitch a spooky franchise, whatever your interpretation of that is, and whichever one gets the most votes will be the next franchise we do. If Richard, if you could tell us what that is, but first, I just want to say, if you enjoyed the show, then please consider um, following us on Twitter, following us on Instagram, at Cult Popshire, at all those places. You can also find us on Patreon, if you want to become a patron and dictate what we watch, or at least have a say in it, you can do that over at patreon.com slash Cult Popshire, whereas for, a little as, for as little as a dollar a month, you can suggest and vote on franchises, and there's, of course, other rewards if you want to give us some more money. And we've also, of course, got our Discord server, which there'll be a link to in the show notes, where if you join, uh, yeah, you get to hang out and talk about, we talk about everything in there. It's like having a... Talk about titles. It's like having a co- a digital common room for your life. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, check that out as well. Uh, and, yeah, Richard, what has won the Patreon vote? All right. So this is another hot debate for a while. Um, and then the, the debate just cooled right down um uh but one that was uh, not actually a franchise that that almost won and hasn't won uh is something called athenian democracy which would be uh putting everything suggested into a roulette and um yeah voting for one of those uh, or no like not you know not being chosen um by us or by the fans it would be left up to chance um a couple of ones that i want to highlight um someone suggested um ice age about the the horrors of climate change Um, but another one along the same line is um an inconvenient truth which has a sequel and i thought Mm. what a fucking fantastic suggestion that was tim tabor um but what what a what a what a beautiful like it was taking the silly idea of ice age and treating it seriously ice (laughs) age also suggested by tim um (laughs) uh but the winning film is one that like it's, it's a really strange one almost to win um it's a franchise a five film franchise it's called phantasm they're five films oh yeah. my god i thought it was a trilogy 
um so it's like it's one of the, the mike noise um suggested this saying vote phantasm or the tall man and his fears and henchmen will come for you which i'm sure is a hilarious reference yeah, that, to the film that's the most I got, context I know i've ever nothing had about phantasm i'd never heard of it like i don't think it's on the franchise list because we fucking didn't know anything about it um which is why but, this patreon tier exists is so that people can suggest ones we maybe haven't heard of yeah yeah exactly but it's so funny to see like such a passionate thing people sending gifts of these like spheres that have blades sticking out of them hmm. i presume that's from phantasm i presume that's the spheres he's talking about and mike's been mike's been pushing for phantasm since last spooktober i believe yeah like yeah and, and every month in between <laughs> but it's like okay dude we're gonna watch them i don't know what they are like i'm excited to see why <laughs> people are getting behind this so much but um, hey and yeah, look if, if you're if you're disappointed that your franchise wasn't picked remember you can just suggest spooky franchises any other time of the year if anything mm. it's more just in october we restrict it to that um so cool well that's our that's our show and stay tuned in a fortnight's time for phantasm in a week's time we're going to be doing a fun little spooky off week game which i probably should work out exactly what the rules are before i mm. Post yeah, so that I know how to play because I don't I I don't fully understand it. <laughs> I'm going to come to the Discord for that. So get ready if you're on the Discord, you can help contribute to this game. Um, and please stay tuned for the post-credit scene, which will play after this music stops. But hey, I hope you had a spooky time, and I hope you listened to this from dusk till dawn. It's probably not long enough. Yeah. Your Spotify allows you to slow it down. I think. Oh um, my god! Imagine listening to this on slow. Imagine the problematic corner theme song on slow. <laughs> this is a problematic theme song <laughs> to a problematic corner. <laughs> the theme song <laughs> itself is problematic. <laughs> uh, welcome along to the post-credit scene. What is the post-credit scene? No, I'll tell you the question. But what no, is the, ge- the general concept of the post credit right. scene? Because you normally introduced, I came in early with the. It's okay. Just, yeah, what is the post credit scene? For $5, that whole thing. Yeah, so welcome along, everybody, to the post credit scene. This is a section at the end of each of our episodes where if you donate $5 or more over at patreon.com slash coldpopshire, you get to give us something to talk about in this, the post credit scene. Richard, who's it from and what is it? Uh, today's postcard scene comes to us from Dylan Hutton, who writes, "What is a property you're nostalgic for, but deep down you know it's shit on reflection?" I mean, the property uh, would be Eight Gambier Street in Christchurch, to <laughs> where I grew up. Um, and the the property had a house built on it, um, and yeah, it's 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 probably not aged well. We we sold it because it was you know falling apart and whatnot um and it was you know at the time easy enough to just oh let's just sell it and you know um we can buy a new house with that um instead of fixing it so um yeah that's but i still looking back to to my days on gambia street i'm still nostalgic for them aj what about you well see this is a franchise technically it's similar to from dust to dawn actually in that it had one big and then one big movie and then some dwindling sequels um but the 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 butterfly effect movies are kind of my go-to examples of like a that first movie was really like big for me when i was a teenager and every time i've revisited it since i've been like 
ah, this isn't very good. <laughs> and I can't imagine how bad it probably is now. Um, mm. So if you want to hear that, suggest the Butterfly Effect trilogy, I guess. Yeah. I'm trying to think of any actual answers rather than uh, doxing my 10-year-old self. <laughs> um, but yeah, the um, the number 23 people will say is real bad. Mm. I loved that in high school. Same, I same situation. It. Same situation. Yeah. Bet that's um, yeah. Yeah, I can't. I, I I can't think of anything that I'm like I, I avoided going back to because I, I. Well, the the only thing that I've and I know you actually this is actually interesting because you're currently going back to it. But the only the one thing that I haven't like gone back to because I want to preserve my memory of it is Lost. Yeah, that I've started. Like, yeah, I, you've I, you've started rewatching it, but I've started but, rewatching it because my my flatmates who are my best friends and i do everything with haven't seen it the fuck you're, you're, you're also <laughs> my best friend. What, a, what a fucking dig to put at the end of from dust till dawn no a, no a, it's not a dig a against franchise you about have brothers. other best friends <laughs> yeah i saw a thing on twitter that mindy kaling has a quote in some mindy kaling thing that um uh best friend isn't a title isn't a person it's a tier yeah that's a good so, way so to if it. you make a tier list of people best yep, friend is the top <laughs> absolutely one uh so they they haven't seen it and so we've been going back through it and um the funniest thing that that i can say about in terms of has it dated with with lost um is that uh the the once what the character who was once the image of like sexy badassery that was uh sawyer uh my flatmates have zero patience for it's very funny because Every th- every time Sawyer, Sawyer does always. something, yeah. every th- every time Sawyer does something that that disrupts the status quo, uh, my my flatmates are just like people like this in real life are insufferable. What is a man in his thirties doing, going around being like, "No, you don't understand. If you really knew who I was, you'd hate me." It's like, oh, you grow up, you know. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I like I, I don't think. Yeah, I, know, I, I think, you know, the, the love for Sawyer, like, I, I never liked Sawyer's character that much, although I will say he has a pretty good redemption arc, or, like, mm. his main characterization towards, like, season, season it's, five, mainly. It's not so much that he was ever likable, it's that he was, He was just like, sexy, that's why people liked him. Yeah, but but it was like, this. he was a rogue, and the, these mysterious elements about him were like, God, why is he so bad? bad blooded but now it's just mm. like this guy's a fucking loser oh my yeah. god it, it is like you do because he's like that it does allow for like any time he's he's good like there's um the end of season one when he has the conversation with jack i remember being a really mm. nice moment but That's um true. but anyway yeah it, it, this is all to say i haven't revisited lost not because i know it's shit on reflection i still stand by it being good but it's I, I just have such a perfect memory of that that I wouldn't want to tarnish it with a rewatch. Maybe that's why I'm happy to rewatch it because my memory of Lost is rocky. <laughs> what? Well, not, not like I, I have a pitch, you know, like a, a, a edetic memory of it. It's mm. just that I, um, the, the, my, the, the, the nostalgia I have for it, the time, the way I watched it, the time I watched it, yeah, the no, place same. in my life I watched it. Yeah. It's like, this is this perfect thing. And it's like the, the, the appointment viewing the religious viewing that it was yeah i've never had anything like that since and it's yeah it's, i was thinking about yeah. that as well that like i've definitely seen shows which i think are better than lost since lost but in re-watching it I've, i'm reminded that like i don't know if i ever felt as good about a show mm. as i did if about I, like lost. cared as much breaking yeah. bad would be the closest thing but even yeah. that was like 
like like lost as well in the the seasons four five and six was like i was the only one still watching it and so it was mine you know yeah Uh, another thing that hasn't aged well about lost is that i found out after googling the ages of actors that uh evangeline lily a lot younger than matthew fox and josh holloway (laughs) how how old is she in the series she's she's 24 in season one and they are matthew fox is in his late late 30s probably 38 39 and josh holloway i think is 34 35 so not the worst age difference, yeah, that's, that's, but that's, that's not for... that's not as problematic as you made it no, out to be. No. You made it sound like it was like thirty nine and twelve. Yeah. 